Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Rise of Kin. I am currently sitting in an Epsom salt bath because I'm feeling a little under the weather and uh, in need of some recovery. Plus, I've locked myself in a room to get about 15 to 20 minutes of time uh, away from the little ones so that I can do this episode because I love doing these. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit today about just sort of the monoculture that is out on the internet. And what I mean by that, uh, I'll, I'll have to give a specific example because I feel like this is starting to kind of take over culture. And I'm going to use Joe Rogan as an example, even though I listen to him um, at least semi-regularly, not always, but I, I listen to the episodes that I, I think will be interesting. And last night I started listening to his most recent episode with David Cho, who is a painter uh, based out of LA. And if, for anybody who doesn't know, he was the graffiti artist who did a mural for Facebook's first office and they couldn't pay him in cash. And so they gave him stock and something along those lines. And, you know, he made a lot of money off it. Apparently he'd already made quite a bit of money as a successful painter. Um, but you know, what I realized, and I've been thinking this for a while is that, you know, the, the culture of the internet and the interviews has very much changed, uh, especially since Joe Rogan did his deal with Spotify and people realized, hey, you know, there's real money in the podcasting game um, or putting out content in general. I think that changed a lot of people's views because, I, you know, from what I recall, it was something like a $100 million 10-year deal. And what I've noticed since then is that all of these big podcasts are kind of interviewing the same cohort of people. And because the internet goes everywhere and anyone with a smartphone or access to a computer can listen to these podcasts um, or content in general, that the ideas spread very quickly and are kind of adopted very quickly, especially among young men. Um, and, you know, part of my interest in doing this podcast solo uh, for the most part, I'm not saying I'll never have guests. I'm not saying I'll never move to a different format. Uh, but for right now, this is, I'm designing my whole life around what serves my family and my children best. Because when I was flying across the country, uh, four times a month on the road, 25 days a month, I had a very clear realization that I was so afraid of letting my family get close to me because I was worried that they would leave at some point just based on childhood experiences. I'm just mapping out, you know, my own personal journey and psychology, if you will. I was so worried that I would lose them at some point that I chose to keep a safe distance. It didn't mean that I didn't love them. Obviously, when I was there on the weekends, I would do the best that I could of maximizing that time. And, you know, since my son was one and a half, two, I would take him to the construction sites of buildings I was building. I would take him on site inspections for concrete planks. I, we did a business trip a couple times to San Francisco and, you know, uh, but I was playing at like surface level, right? I was like a, I would call it a solid, like B minus or C 
dad, uh, which in that process of kind of unwrapping my own personal challenges, I realized that, you know, being a C dad was not good enough for me. That's like average, right? And I hear guests of the Joe Rogan show who pour all this energy into their craft or whatever it is. And I think it's a little dangerous from the standpoint that it keeps everyone focused on, you know, whatever it is they're doing in life. My realizations around this, which again, only apply to my life. They don't have to apply to yours, but I want, I feel it's important to share them because I've found deep fulfillment in just being a fully present father. And you can try to align that with different things. I've read, you know, an insane amount of books trying to work through my own shit, if you will. And nothing quite compares to the feeling of being here every day and being a part of their growth versus just being an observer. And I think the challenges of a monoculture, which we're seeing in so many aspects of life, right? In food, in media, in housing, in the way we live, in where we live, you know, there's very few just wild individuals that are out exploring, right? Even the ones that are exploring on a professional level, they're doing it on a highly commercial basis. Uh, and I think once you get brands involved that are sponsoring you, um, it inherently changes your view of what you're going to put out. So I'm trying to make sure through this whole experience in writing and in sharing the journey over podcasts is to keep my experience pure. It doesn't mean that I don't need to make money. I mean, we all do at this point. Um, and you know, everything's expensive from food to housing, to gas, to all those things. Right. So like in making money, isn't really that hard. I don't think it's as hard as we've all made it out to be. I think what's really challenging and worth exploring is finding what you care about so much that you would do it regardless of if you had money or not. And for some reason, this conversation that Joe Rogan was having with David Cho just sparked, uh, again, this thing inside me to just share that, you know, looking at other people and trying to figure out what you should do is one way to experience life. Another way to experience it is to really use your own intuition and your feelings, right? And not like overcharge feelings, but like your gut feeling to move through life. And so, for example, you know, my, my gut feeling was do not buy in Hawaii. Uh, my family loved it there. It was, you know, up until that point in time that we moved there, it was by far the most peaceful and wonderful existence that we had as a family. Um, but I saw some inherent challenges there that I didn't want to consciously participate in. And one of them is just the challenge of the native Hawaiian people trying to just exist on their homeland. And, you know, I think it's easy to move there and say, well, I'll stand up for this and I'll perpetuate it. But I felt that by making the economic choice to acquire a home at a very high price or land at a very high price that 
I was just becoming part of the problem instead of helping to solve it. And I, I didn't feel right about that in my heart of hearts. And so we chose not to do that. I chose, as many of you know, we chose to start looking in Costa Rica, which is very different, uh, very similar yet totally different environment. But I felt that we could replicate that same experience. You know, it, it wasn't the environment that was making us happy. It was the way we were making choices in life. And, um, you know, I, frankly, I still miss Hawaii to this day. I'm not saying that we would never move back there, but it seems to me like to take part, you know, we look at all these, uh, native Indian reservations around America and they were done in a lifetime that, you know, uh, for me, I'm 40 plus years old it was done in a different lifetime. And so there's not much that I can do consciously from an economic standpoint to change the boundaries of the federal reservation areas. But in Hawaii, this is an ongoing thing, right? And we're like actively doing this and the choice of everyone to move there because it is absolutely beautiful and incredible and a magical place because it's surrounded by nature and you know, you just, it's a very rare place to be able to be up in the mountains and also that close to the ocean they have the native Hawaiians have an absolutely beautiful culture, uh, that's highly enlightened far more than any modern society that I see today, but there's many societies that have that. And that's what I'm realizing by being out traveling that, um, Costa Rica has that, but it's on the verge of extinction because a lot of people are going there and buying stuff and trying to get things done super fast versus just enjoy the process and enjoy the journey. So I guess part of my point in all of this is that, you know, I'm listening to David Cho, who's made hundreds of millions of dollars, and Joe Rogan, who's made hundreds of millions of dollars, and they're having this conversation, which is a very different point of view than the average human day-to-day experience uh, in America or probably any Western culture. And, you know, the contentment, and peace that I've found in life just by simply recognizing what was driving me is the same as the experience of a David show who has spent wildly and acquired all these things. I mean, I had my own version of that. It wasn't with hundreds of millions of dollars, but I was making good money as a real estate developer in New York and San Francisco. Uh, and you know, frankly, once you make over two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year net, you you can pretty much experience anything that you want. And a good buddy of mine, AJ, pointed that out. He's like, you can just rent uh, anything for a week or two to experience the life of what someone with a billion dollars would have. And so, you know, I just think it's a a dangerous thing to look up to if you will. I don't know if people are looking up to that. I know I did when I was younger. Um, I looked up to the people who had conquered financial life because that was something that I wasn't really exposed to as a kid. And looking back on it, I realize I'm very thankful that I wasn't exposed to that. I was exposed to, you know, pure love from my mom. It it truly was like, I, I find more appreciation for the way that my mom chose to raise me every single day. Like it's no, no joke. Um, you know, you can 
give a shout out to all these people that helped you, but my mom helped me the most to be a kind and loving human. And I think that's highly underrated and very often not talked about in any context of success or happiness or those things. Um, you know, you can kind of tell my interpretation, whether it's right or wrong, is that someone like David Cho had a very, uh, a difficult upbringing, not from the fact that his parents weren't there, but because they drove him so hard that there was never an acceptance of just who he is for who he is. And, you know, in the spiritual context, that's called unconditional love. And I'm just super thankful that I received unconditional love and I was a fucking wild child that got in a lot of trouble, but I never felt that you know, I wouldn't be accepted at home. I knew I would be in trouble. Uh, I knew when I had done something wrong. I think we all know that in our hearts, like very easily. I think everyone's intuition and intelligence are very close to the same. I'm not saying everyone is exactly the same, but I think every human and more, the more I go on this journey, I'm realizing like potentially all forms of life have intelligence that are as high or more or, you know, equal to, to mine or to ours as a society. And I think that's a good framework to look at the world. It's, you know, I try to teach my kids something that I heard from Sadhguru, which was look up to no one and look down upon no one. And if you can do that in any interaction, you are having an authentic experience. And I think that that is worth its weight in whatever thing that you value, right? I believe the saying is gold, but whatever you value, it's worth its weight. And so, you know, just for me, putting out this authentic voice, putting out this authentic voice of someone who has done, you know, pretty well in the business world, definitely not conquered it, but did well for myself to transition to a writer and an author and, you know, to tell my story authentically and to live authentically to how I want to live, which is like slow mornings with my kids having conversations, reading, playing, um, being able to go explore when everyone else is busy doing other things is, uh, you know, it's, it's nice. And there's no amount of money that can buy you that because once you make that conscious choice, you'll find a way to make enough money to experience that lifestyle. It's really not that difficult. Um, what made it difficult was my own beliefs and psychology around what I thought I needed to be as a man versus kind of stepping in to manhood on my own. And I realized that, you know, opening up my heart, connecting my heart to my mind, which is, it, it happened for me sort of naturally. Um, I've read about it after the fact, but it happened organically in just in the meditation experience is truly priceless. And that really was my own initiation. And so I think there's a lot of young men and even older men that are lamenting the fact that they're not initiated. And I would say to you, initiate thyself, initiate yourself because you're the only one responsible for you. And it is tremendously freeing and peaceful to go through that experience without the lens of judgment from 
someone else, a mentor, a father, an uncle, uh, a boss, whoever it is, right? I, I think we owe it to ourselves as the young masculine energy in the universe to initiate ourselves, right? If you're lucky enough to have a father who took that seriously, then I would say, you know, still find those ways to initiate yourself. And, you know, the principles that your father taught you should hold up pretty strong. If, if, uh, you know, if we're making conscious decisions, those principles should hold up very, very strong. So just an interesting tidbit. I know these episodes are short. They're meant to be kind of just nuggets of what I'm experiencing and things that I think are worth sharing. So again, you can follow along on Substack, Rise of Kin uh, at Substack. And, you know, I'm looking to put out episodes on a regular basis as well as some writings. I'm spending a lot of my creative energy on writing my book right now, which I mentioned in an earlier episode. I, you know, I found that authentic author's voice, which is a, a magical thing. I feel like it opened up multiple channels of creativity within thy soul. And, um, you know, I think that initiation of thyself continues every single day. So shout out to my mom, shout out to my wife and, uh, you know, I hope everybody chooses to live in peace. <laughs>